1: So I meant to click on my Google Chrome so I could get all my notes up, and I accidentally clicked on Steam. I wonder, that would be a fun test one day. Can I talk for 45 minutes about the Packers while I play Mountain Blade? Is that a thing I could do? <laughs> would I be distracted um, you know, by the stupid Swadia or whatever? the vagars. I don't know how you say any of this stuff. Maybe I'll save that for premium. I'll just, I'll try to talk Packers while I play video games and it'll be stupid. So if you want the stupid content, you got to pay extra for that. I'm so sorry. I save all my good stuff for free. (laughs) That makes sense, right? But uh, today is laughing at the enemy day. We got a handful of teams to laugh at. It wasn't as good as, as, uh, some other weeks, I guess I'll say. We've got, um, a lot of the teams we like to see lose ended up winning. Is It's sad. Can't make fun of Dallas. Can't make fun of Minnesota. Can't make fun of Seattle, although it's not even worth making fun of them anymore. Can't make fun of New Orleans or Kansas City. You know, it's it just... Eh. But we got a couple. We got a couple. Can't make fun of San Francisco. That one really hurts me. Wish I could make fun of Tampa, but we can't. But at the end of the day, if nothing else, we know for a fact that we get to make fun of Chicago. That's That's the most important thing. And it's going to be a little bit extra sweet because it was against the Packers. A little bit of newsy news, uh, nothing super crazy. The Green Bay Packers are the number one seed. That's not really new news, but it's still news, and I'm going to keep telling you that every day because it's funny. Not funny as in like laughing at the Packers, more like funny like laughing at everybody else. Everybody's got a lot to say about Aaron Rodgers and about the drama and about how bad the locker room is going to be and everybody's going to, you know... Obviously, they're not going to support Rodgers anymore, or the team's not going to support Lafleur and, and Gutekunst anymore. There's all this rift. Matt Lafleur isn't a good coach. Brian Gutekunst isn't a, be- isn't a good GM. I mean, there's no more attacked team. I mean, the Jets are a real team. The Jaguars exist. The Lions are a franchise still, and yet somehow the Packers get more heat than anybody. And despite everybody trying to pump up the Chiefs and trying to make all these other teams a big thing, they want Tampa to succeed. They want the Chiefs to succeed. They want the Cardinals to be a thing, right? And they're good. I'm not saying they're not good. But man, would they love nothing more than for Kyler Murray to win MVP, to be the next great thing to be able to move on to something else, and to be able to say that they were right about the Green Bay Packers, they were right about Matt LaFleur, they were right about Joe Barry and how much he sucks, they were right about the drama, they were right about Aaron Rodgers being toxic, they were right about Devontae wanting to leave, they were right about all these things. And they weren't. Here we are, Green Bay Packers, number one team in the entire NFL. And I want to expand on that a little bit. Because, you know, A lot of the Bears fans, and you got to give give them credit, man, they they got a lot of fight in them. They just keep scratching and clawing and kicking and screaming, and they'll find any way to, they just won't quite roll over and die. I feel like they did roll over and die for a while, which is why I've been saying for a while they don't bother me and their fans don't bug me, because they're just very quiet and they're very timid. But uh, they seem to have found new life since Justin Fields arrived, and they just keep punching up. And their new favorite thing to do, because it's the only thing they have left, is to tell us... Not that we're bad, but that we should be better, right? Forget the fact that we have or are tied for the best record in football and have the number one seed in the NFC and as well as the NFL and not that you can seed the NFL. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. What, what, what we should take away from this game is that the Packers gave up 30 to a garbage offense. And I'll be honest, when I first saw that, I thought, you know what? That's legitimate. Even if, if, you, even if you look at it and say, well, that was special teams, it doesn't matter, The team as a whole, whether it's the offense's fault, I mean, you know, if the offense throws a pick six, is that the defense's fault? Of course not. It's the offense that gave them seven points, but it's still your team allowed that team who can't score any points to score points. So it doesn't matter how much you allocate blame to each individual phase of the game. The Packers gave the Bears more points than the Bears are really capable of getting. They suck so bad, they're not even capable of 30 points, and we gave them 30 points. So that's not... I mean, granted, it's a weak argument from from a Bears fan to to mention how... It's not that we're bad, but we're... I don't even know what, what you would say about that. What's the right way to front? What are the Packers? I mean, the, the, the ultimate argument the guy made was that you're not as good as you think you are. Kind of like, you won't win the Super Bowl because you gave the Bears 30 points or something stupid like that. Because that's... It's obviously not how that works cuz tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl and let me go back and find them giving up a bunch of points to a garbage team. I bet I can do it. But but either way, it's it's if you just completely forget the fact that it's a Bears fan and what they're talking about and the fact that they're nitpicking a really good team, right? It's like somebody who is covered in dirt, spaghetti sauce and, you know, dog vomit walks up to somebody and they're like, "You loser, your tie is crooked." You know, it's kind of like that. But at the same time, my tie is crooked and I look like an idiot and I should probably straighten that out because I have a higher standard for myself. I'm on my way to an important business meeting to close on a million dollar deal. I got to have a straight tie. This guy's standard apparently is sleeping in ditches. So he's fine to ignore that and, and point out my tie. I, I, okay, so so I get that. But then I kind of thought about it a little bit more. We know, and it, maybe it's coincidence, I don't know, but there seems to be some kind of an issue with the Packers coming out of a bye week, especially in the regular season. We talked about it prior to. It's not like I just made it up after the fact because it happened and now I'm just going to pretend. No, I talked about it for like two days in a row about, guys, um, I know you aren't scared of the Bears, but let's talk about this one big issue that keeps coming up. Let's talk about how the team comes out flat a lot. Question, did the team, I'm not saying every single player on the team, but did the Green Bay Packers come out flat? I would say without a shadow of a doubt. The special teams was trash. The offense was not in any kind of a rhythm. And the defense was allowing the Bears to march all the way down the field on what was, I think, their second possession. Maybe their first. No, uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to go back and look at every single drive summary again. That was all day yesterday. But I would say, undoubtedly, yes. Why does that matter? What does that have to do with anything? Well, before this game, I kind of said there's two ways this is going to go. In either case, we're going to win the game. That was me being a little little sassy, you know? Not actually true, but it's what I said, so I'm standing by it. Either we look really ugly and win the game, or we dominate the Chicago Bears. And the reason I brought that up is I said if we look ugly and win, it proves that we still have issues mentally, right? Or, Or whatever the issue is. We still have these roadblocks that we cannot seem to get over, and it's the thing that we're all scared of in the playoffs, right? At this point, we're just watching games to watch games, right? We want to get that number one seed and all these things, but at the end of the day, there's only one question we care about. Are we going to fall apart in the playoffs again? Are we going to get to the NFC Championship game and fall apart? And if you're not thinking about it, there's somebody on Twitter, probably a Bears fan, but somebody is reminding you because it's all anybody can talk about. At this point, winning a Super Bowl, at this point, if we could just get to the Super Bowl and lose, as horrible and devastating as that would be, at least that narrative goes away. It'll just be a new one where we, you know, fall apart. But it, it doesn't matter. At least that goes away. And if we beat the Chicago Bears big, then that means that we kind of overcame that curse. And uh, we don't have these little weird things where we take a week off and, and, you know, everything falls apart. And the fact that we came out flat, in my mind, if you kind of go back to what I had said before, would make it seem like my opinion currently is that we still have some serious issues. Not just in general. I mean, with with these games where we just don't show up. Interestingly enough, though, the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's the exact opposite. If you think about what has been the best part of the season, it's not that we've been flawless. It's that there have been lots of problems and we just keep overcoming them. Injuries, we overcome it. Even days where we show up a little bit flat, we still overcome it. We find a way to overcome it. There's always this new thing, and and the defense has been a driving factor. The run game has been a good factor in that. The balance, all these different things. They always find a way to buckle down and win the game. Isn't that exactly what this game was? It was resilience in the face of adversity. If you watched the first quarter or the first half, you would have thought there's a very good chance we're about to lose this game. And based on the quote-unquote curse in which we come out flat, When you watch the special teams fall apart, that has been, at least this year especially, one of the main characteristics of really bad games is the special teams implodes. But you also have Aaron Rodgers not playing quite well, even though his passes looked good. There were still some times where it's like, I feel like guys are open and he's not throwing it. Like, something is wrong. And if that's not the case, then our receivers aren't getting open. And that's a problem because their corners are trash. I don't care what anybody wants to say about stupid Jalen Johnson or whatever. I don't care what he said on, what Rodgers said on Pat McAfee. That guy is not that good. He is not and never will be a lockdown Devonte Corner. Something is wrong. Play calling, passing, running is okay but not great. There's issues with rhythm and and just it's, it's just clunky and now the defense is giving up, you know, entire across the field drives that end in touchdowns to the Chicago Bears, one of the worst offenses in football. I mean, this is this is bad. It's bad, but it's also expected and that's the other thing. This team had to know coming into this their record after a bye. They had to know. So there's that mental part that says, oh no, here we go again. And that lasted all the way into the locker room at halftime. But yet what happened? They come out after halftime and we got to see one of the best versions of the Packers that we've ever seen. And even the special team started to clean up a little bit. It wasn't perfect. They were still making mistakes, obviously. But at least you had a, a handful of times where they were tackling the guy right away as he took a punt or a kickoff. He didn't get past the first or second guy, and then they had longer fields to deal with and they couldn't go down the field, partially because of the longer field and partially because our defense was just locking it down. And on top of special teams getting a little better and our defense locking it down, we saw maybe the best version of this offense we've seen all year just go on an absolute violent tear. Our offense, I mean, the last two weeks that are three now, they've been in the 30s, but prior to that, 24 is about as high as they could get. They got 24, what, in the second half by itself? And I know the Bears' defense isn't anything super special, but that's w- well beyond the point right now. Number one, it's not a horrible defense. It's just nowhere near as good. It's maybe a mediocre defense. But number two, what we're talking about is an offense that can't find rhythm, that's coming out of this weird bi-week curse kind of a thing in this just weird, kind of awkward, something-is-wrong kind of a game. So I, and I'm, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but but if we're just going to answer my question, which is a two-part question, number one, did that bi-week curse rear its ugly head? In other words, did they come out flat? The answer to that question unequivocally is yes. Something was very wrong, at least for half of this game. And and, and as far as special teams, it absolutely it didn't really get fixed. It got slightly improved, but it was a disaster for all four quarters. It was just, you know, 15% competent as opposed to zero. But the real question should be, not did they run into adversity, but did they this time overcome adversity yes or no and the answer was yes which is what they've done all year which is the main reason why I've been saying this team is different not that they're automatically going to win but on those days when those things happen on those days when adversity strikes and and you know again injuries are a massive one we lost Billy Turner who you know the latest update I saw on him was hopefully he'll be back sometime this year which is not an update that anybody wants to get you know I'm not the biggest fan of Billy Turner, but we are down to the point. I think I said it a couple weeks ago, which I got to just stop talking about football players because uh, it's getting me into trouble. Somebody just pointed out to me that in the podcast prior to the game, I predicted that Amari Rodgers would fumble a uh, a punt, and I also talked about Billy Turner and he got hurt. I talked about uh, Kenny Clark, and i i made it I made a point to try to undo the jinx. And I was like, never mind, I didn't say anything, and then he ended up getting hurt anyway. So I, I I am I am a curse on this team. But the reason I brought up Billy Turner was he at one point was my least favorite offensive lineman, was the, the biggest blotch on this offensive lineman, uh, on this offensive line. As of last week, he might have been the brightest spot on the offensive line. He was the best player, not necessarily because he was so much better than he had been in the previous years, but just that everybody else is gone. I mean, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Lucas Patrick was the only guy that was playing, you know, on the offensive line that was... I mean, as of right now, he is the only guy left. He's the last man standing. Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari are all out. Elton Jenkins done for the year. Billy might be done for the year. Hopefully, Bakhtiari's coming back this week, and Corey Lindsley is now in a different state. Anyways, this is... uh, this is not how this podcast was supposed to go, <laughs> but I did, I did have that thought, and I wanted to bring it up, and I didn't expect it to take 15 minutes, trying to figure out how exactly to navigate this. Um, in other news, Joanne Winfrey was signed. We're, we're going to have to mix it up a little bit. We're not going to be able to get all these clips in. We might have to do a 2 day Um, For those that don't remember Jawan Winfrey, he's been around for a little bit of a while. Um, He was with Denver in 2019. He was a sixth-round pick by Denver. Um, Denver ended up letting him go. We picked him up in 2020. Um, He did see a little bit of action. He played Week 10 against Jacksonville, seven total snaps, uh, four of them receiving, three of them pass blocking, or excuse me, run blocking, which is a pretty high ratio of blocking to give you some kind of an idea of how he's been utilized. Um, against Detroit week 14 he played one snap and it was as a run blocker so again you kind of get the idea so far this season um, he did play week six against Chicago again um, two snaps one as a receiver one as a run blocker against Arizona he actually played a ton 54 snaps 33 as a receiver 21 he was run blocking so again it's it's about 50 50 whenever he's doing this stuff okay I'll be up in a minute That was our sideline reporter, Riley. Um, She has some breaking news. Kaylee is being mean, so that is hot off the presses. But he actually did get, on those 30-some-odd snaps or whatever, uh, six targets, four receptions, 30 yards. So he was somewhat active in that. Unfortunately, 43 overall grade, 49 receiving grade. And he had a 15 fumbling grade, which I'm going to go ahead and find that column. Let me see if I can find it. Yep, there's a fumble and a drop. So... um, On six targets, four receptions, 30 yards, he also had one drop and one fumble. So that's not super great. Also had several people bring up, is it possible he's going to be used on special teams? He hasn't really been used in that capacity. I'm not saying it's impossible. Maybe that's sort of their, their thought is, let's see if he can do it. Last year, we're looking at 21 total snaps on special teams in two games. Um, 64 overall grade, which is, I mean, it's positive. It's, you know, 60's average, so it's above average. So maybe, I don't know. He was mostly used on kickoff team as opposed to punt team, but maybe we just didn't punt in those games. I don't know. But 9 on kick return team and 11 on kick coverage. And then this year it was just once against Minnesota. He was uh, one snap on punt return. I don't know how, it's so weird. Maybe some guy gets hurt or something. I don't know, but how do you... On all these different special teams plays, how do you one time just be like, hey, Juwan, why don't you go in this one time just for fun? So I, I don't know. I, I I tend to think it's just kind of a next man up thing. You know, we had a, a spot. Maybe it's because of Randall Cobb. I, I don't know. I don't I'm not sure. But Juwan is uh, he's back back in action. Why don't we do this? We'll take a break and um, we'll dive into at least laughing at the Bears losing to the Packers. Take a break. We'll be right back. So not that you care, but turns out there were plans last night that I wasn't aware of. So I had to decide, do I stay up late and do the podcast, or should I go old school, just go to bed because I'm tired, and then just get up early and do the podcast? I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get up early. Because at the end of the day, tired is tired. And um, if you're tired getting up at 4 so that you can go to work, you know, if you get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock, there's really no difference in tired. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> and I feel dumb because I shouldn't be this tired, man. I mean, it's... My body feels like how I feel my body should feel if I got like three or four hours of sleep. And in reality, I got probably five and a half, six. I should be able to suck it up. But um, I wanted to cry. I <laughs> You guys are lucky that this podcast is coming out today, because I was laying in bed like, nope, 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 not doing it. They'll get it tomorrow. But anyway, sorry to the patrons who usually get the podcast the night before. This is why you did not, um, because I'm I'm actually doing the podcast. I just realized I'm doing the podcast with my eyes closed right now, because <laughs> it just feels good. It feels good to have my eyes closed. All right, here we go. So, usually this is a full-length thing anyway, so either way, we probably couldn't get to it, but I've got quite a bit of uh, Bears things to go through here, Um, and there's also some commentary, and I got scolded last night for talking about Justin Fields, but we're talking about the Bears, man. We're laughing at the Bears, so I'm going to participate a little bit. I understand not everything is everybody's cup of tea, but I am just a little confused, I got scolded that in the preview episode, I spent the whole time or half the show laughing at the bears. It's like, yeah, sometimes I don't understand you guys, man. But anyways, we're going to kick it off with uh, a couple videos from Mr. Fawz Sports. And there were a couple observations here that I also noticed, and it came down to aggression. There was a time when Nagy punted, when it was like, you know, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I feel like there's just... There's a sense that if we're going to have a mentality of, it's kind of like the Lions, right? You know they're bad, but they've just got this, we're going to rip your head off mentality anyways. There was a game against, what, the Rams when they were like pulling all these trick plays. Like they're just, they're just, why not? Who cares? And especially in this game, you never expected to do this well against the Packers in Lambeau. You actually have a shot as crazy as it sounds. I mean, I know we joke around about this is your Super Bowl. Literally, this is your Super Bowl, Matt Nagy. And this is your chance to put your foot down and say, we're not losing this freaking game. We're going to do anything and everything we can. We're pulling out all the stops. I mean, I really thought they were going to do a fake punt. And then on top of that, there was when they kicked the field goal, which I'm sure mathematically makes the most sense. I'm sure there's some analytics nerd that says that's the right thing. But again, it's just a mentality thing. It's a mentality thing when you come in and you say, you know, we're, we're down by, what was it? It was three scores. I don't know if it was like seventeen. So it's like obviously, even two touchdowns and two extra points isn't going to do it. So you're going to need a field goal at some point. So take the field goal now. But it's like, dude, there's there's like two minutes left. So so the odds of you actually winning this game are basically zero. So at least get a moral victory of some kind of uh, to at least demonstrate to your team. No, we're not we're not kicking field goals. We're not punting. We're going at their throat. And in both cases, he's like, nah. I don't know. Chart says puns, So Anyways, um, that I, again, I bring that up because that's, that was really sticking in the craw of Bears fans. And, and again, it went into what we talked about, about them just not having that energy, right? And I, I keep bringing up the Lions because I don't have another example, but that's, that's the opposite side of the spectrum. The Lions are a team that have nothing to play for. They have no reason to care. And they just seem fired up. And you know maybe it's stupid, but it's endearing if nothing else. But also, you need that in a locker room. Now you can't do anything with it if you don't have any talent. But it's going to help you down the line. If the Lions can hang on to that and then add some talent, that's going to be a scary team. The Bears on the other—I mean, we've seen the Packers with talent not be able to perform. 2018 was a version. Not that they are the most elite players in the world, but it was a version of a team where you look at it and go, they should be better than this. I understand they stro- They should be better than this. It was, it was a lot of issues in the locker room, and people were just not happy, and there was no energy. I talked about how guys would score touchdowns and just walk to the sideline. That's a problem. I'm sure analytics don't have anything to say about that, but it's a thing. All right, all right, I'm, I promise I'm done talking. I would have thought my brain was so dead, I'd be like, let's just play videos, I'll be here, just don't worry about me. But apparently, that's not the case. You get me talking about the Bears, man, I just, I can't stop. Here's the first video from Mr. Foz Sports Talk. He is on his honeymoon, so congrats to him. Lucky freaking guy. He's literally just sitting on some like cabana on a beach somewhere or something. He kind of looks like he's in uh, Bora Bora. You know, those little, what do you call them? Little hut things out in the ocean. Oh, oh, I want to go. wonder if he'd invite me on his honeymoon. Is that weird? I'll ask him.
2: Folks, my biggest takeaway from this game is Matt Nagy knows he's done. He knows he's done. Talk about a total coward move, or moves, if you will. This man kicked a field goal down 18. Down 18, kicked a field goal, under two minutes left. Fourth and inches, he punted. What is that? Like, Matt Nagy knows he's done. It's just a matter of time. I can't wait till it's over.
1: And again, I I completely agree with him. Um, And, you know, there's kind of two competing things here, and I think that has part to do with why I'm coming down so hard on the Bears. On one hand, it's just, you know, there's a Packers rivalry thing, but there's also the part where I'm just a football fan, and I kind of just observe things and, and there's a, a, this is going to sound, if you weren't upset with me before saying I'm trashing the Packers, you're probably going to be upset with this, but there is a very, very small part of me that doesn't exactly cheer for the Bears, but I, I just, I like the building process. And so I'm looking at the Bears and I'm like, here's what you need to do. And then when they don't do it, I get angry. And then there's like this weird thing where it's like, I hate you for being so stupid but I love that you're so stupid. So the the part of me that's excited about laughing at you also gets to laugh at you in a, and take out my rage on you for being so stupid, right? Like I'm, I'm laughing at you because you let this offensive line go, but I'm also furious because I've been screaming at you. You need to fix this. You need to fix this. You need to fix this. Same, same with the Vikings, right? Oh, you're just beating a dead horse because you're so obsessed. I, I am, but it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of like hatred obsession kind of thing, I guess. But also at the same time, again, I didn't care about the Bears up until basically this year. It's really just my my OCD with things needing to be correct and just nothing has been correct with the Bears. And the, and the Vikings, my biggest thing is I have been begging you and begging you and be, I've been saying the same thing about the Vikings forever, forever. You're getting too old. You have to start replacing these guys. You can't just keep reliving the glory days. It's going to come crashing and burning at some point. And here they are, crashed and burned out. And so, I, anyways, I'm just, I'm in agreement because I watched it and it's, it's not about analytics. It's not about, you know, this is, you would have won if you'd have done It's just about, come on, man. You, you, as a head coach, you got to understand these things. As a head coach, you have to know what that says to your team when it's fourth and inches. I mean, you, you, you were all riding high at halftime. What was that, an hour ago? And now your team is pouting on the sideline, and you at least have the ability to send a message. It's fourth and inches. You're going to get that. I mean, come on. What is there, a 90% chance you convert a fourth and inches? Even even for the Bears? I mean, Justin Fields can run for that. Anyways, anyways, I'm, I'm just, I'm in agreement. And, and it's, I'm angry at the Bears on behalf of the Bears fans. Because that does suck. And they have every right to be angry about that. Because this, this is pathetic. I guess I lied. I could have swore I had two Foz Sports videos, but I guess not. Anyways, moving on. We've got a, a new addition to the show here. This is I tried to find like a bunch of like deep dive um, shows and everything because it, it doesn't really have to, it doesn't have to be a show with fifty thousand subscribers. It's just good content, man. We're just looking for good content, and so we found a, a little uh, a live stream, a watch party, and um, this one is interesting because you got a bunch of people who are watching. And it's kind of funny because it's like a Chicago sports thing. So you got the Bears guy, it looks like. You got a, a, I'm guessing a Cubs guy and maybe a Bulls guy. I don't know. So some of the guys that are here don't care as much and they're just having a good time. But the Bears guy is not having a good day. And so he's, and then this is also the one I mentioned there's a Raiders fan on here for some reason. I don't think this is the Raiders clip necessarily. In fact, I know it's not because I, I put a note on it. That'll be up next. But. This is, just, this is just fun stuff with people just being furious at life. And, and again, I, I could have spent pretty much the whole time. I probably could have just played three hours of this live stream for our entertainment. But I just found random clips, man. I don't know where to go. But um, it's not hard. You just click around and it's like, oh, there, there he is being angry. <laughs> just find after halftime. We're good. So here is a random moment of joy. The score, by the way, I can't see anything, but they do have the scoreboard up. The score at this point... Is Chicago Bears 27, uh Green Bay Packers 38. Look at Matt Look at this piece of shit look at looking
2: dazed and confused, and it has excuse for all of his failures. And look at George is there too. That motherfucker is there. Oh, if they are not fired. And again, knowing how the McCaffreys are, God, Damn, wow. They never made an in season coaching change. They never fired a coach mid-season. They let them basically finish. I mean, yeah, they I- won't, they, they will not they will not find success until she's gone. It sucks, but it's the truth. And George McCaskey's bum is there. Actually, to be honest, her and George both got to go. Man, I feel I feel, man, I do feel bad for your for for your Bears fans because like I know we've been I, dealing with mediocrity for the last thirty years. But she, but but Virginia said, "Oh, I'm a fan of the team. Oh, I'm a fan." Bull- that's, a, that's that's a lie. That's a lie. Because if you were a fan. The Bears should have four Super Bowl championships, not just one. That's ridiculous. Look at Matt Nagy right now. Look at this. Look at this. NFL Coach of the Year. Ever since he won Coach of the Year, that has been in his head. Look at that. 12 4, 2018. 8 8. 8 8 last two seasons. Now you're 4 8. Now about to be 4 9. Please fire him, please. Fire him tonight. Let Bears fans have
1: peace. Again, this is one of the benefits of doing something like this, is you hear Bears fans say stuff that they're never going to say to Packer fans. Why would a Bears fan never say that to Packer fans? Because what's the only thing Bears fans ever say to Packer fans? You should have had more Super Bowls. The fact is, so should you. So should everybody. Well, I mean, not mathematically we shouldn't. I mean, again, mathematically, once every 32 years is when you should be winning Super Bowls. So the Bears are kind of on track there. But um, well, we don't need to get into it. But, you know, the fact that we drafted a quarterback doesn't put us at a disadvantage. I mean, it, you have your goal is to win a Super Bowl just like our goal is to win a Super Bowl and part of winning a Super Bowl is finding a quarterback. The Packers have found success and you haven't. There's other things too. You got to have coaches, you got to have offensive line, wide receiver, defense is important. That's where we've struggled quite a bit. Special teams, I don't know that we've really ever had good special teams since uh, 1997 maybe. I mean, if you're factoring in returns, punts, kicks, field goals, etc. but um it's also nice because I've I've never heard a Bears fan's opinion on ownership and I cut out one of the parts might have been confusing cuz I cut out what the one guy was going on a rambling session forever but he was talking about Virginia McCaskey who is like the 98-year-old owner or whatever however old she is but they were basically saying this team isn't going to get any better until they're gone and they're right and I'm sure you know I mean it's it's hard to first of all she's royalty second of all she's a 98-year-old lady you know say bad stuff about how old is she before I keep slandering her age. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I feel like she is about that old. She's literally 98. I nailed that. She was born in 1923. She's 98 years old. But no, I mean, l- listen, it's it's no different for the Bears. As I've said about all these other teams, it really comes down to ownership at the end of the day. I mean, not that Virginia's the one. I know George is the one kind of pulling all the uh, the strings and everything. He's He's, I don't know, power beneath the throne or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it's it's like anything else, you know. When you pass stuff down to your kids, you know, I can give my son my podcast when I'm when I, you know, get old or whatever, and maybe he'd be great at it. But there's no reason to assume he will, and there's no reason to assume even if he has a, a knack for it, if it's not my knack, there's no reason to believe my audience is going to want to listen just because he has the same last name. And and the fact of the matter is, especially when you get to these high level things, when you're talking about the guy that founded and ran a football team. I mean, that that there's there's a small percentage of the world that can do that kind of stuff. That's where you talk about, like, billionaires that pass their money on to their kids, and everybody gets mad about that for some stupid reason. I don't know why. But it's there, there's a reason why the money dries up. Because the guy that went and got all the billions is a unique person to the order of one in a billion. And their kids are probably not. So um, the money's just going to keep dwindling and dwindling. Because they don't know how to do what their parents did. Even if they do a little bit, then, okay, well, their kids aren't going to know. And then their kids aren't going to know. And as it gets dispersed, you'll have a couple that know what they're doing and can maybe manage it and maybe even grow it a little bit. And then you'll have other ones that are in prison with drug habits, you know? I mean, it's it's cool that Virginia has the Hallis and McCaskey name. That's quite a combination. That is like the marriage of royalty in Chicago but that doesn't mean her or George know anything about how to run a football team, especially in 2021. And at the end of the day, if it's not working, it's not working and it has not been working and they just keep making wrong decisions all the time. But unlike green Bay, there's to my knowledge, there's nobody that can come in and say, you know what? You guys are out. They own the team. Maybe there is a board somewhere that can boot them. I don't know. I know that happens in businesses all the time. Um, you know, you build this business, it becomes massive, you get a board together, and then there's like a mutiny, and the board votes you out of your own business, which is like, dude, that's that stings. That's like your parents voting in a new dad. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, you can't do what? But anyways, again, it's nice to hear. Anyways, here is uh, one of my favorite moments in all these clips, and this is a random Raiders fan who's been hiding in the background somewhere. I don't know who he is or why he's there, but um, absolutely losing his mind when Razul Douglas makes a pick six. I mean, he's more mad than the Bears fan is, but it's a glorious moment um, of backhanded praise for Razul Douglas.
2: There's oh, an ugly-looking human... Some oh, ugly-looking... And picked up! Pick six! Ooh. Oh, my God. That was a terrible
1: throw. And you know what?
2: The Raiders have fucking Rasul Douglas this year. We fucking cut his... It <laughs> <and laughs> we cut Rasul Douglas. We cut his... And I'm so happy that he's doing so good with the big motherf- <laughs> Packers. Because the, the Raiders could have had a undefensive back, but no, the Raiders. He on- oh, he sat on that damn route. He knew he was coming. He sat, oh, on-, <laughs> he sat on the Oh god. Set on the route. I'm, so Douglas, I'm happy you're it. not wearing the silver and black. You're with a winning team. <laughs> the Raiders. Simple <laughs> <What> as that. Look <laughs> at Right way to earn. It's the Raider way, bro. It's the Raider. It's the Raider way. And just like that, a ten point lead is gone.
1: I love that clip so much, and I'm going to encourage you. That is Malk Goolie, M A L C G O O L I E. If you got nothing to do, go to the right at about the one hour mark because I'm at. This is the end of the clip. I'm at one hour nine minutes fifty eight seconds. So go to one hour. It's right there. Um, but you got, basically there's four guys, but the one guy just came in at the end saying, and the 10 point lead is gone. But you got three main characters here. You got the Raiders fan just going off, which is great because he's just praising Razul Douglas and going off about how much the Raiders suck. So there's a little bit of laughing at the enemy with the Raiders just randomly, because why not? Perspective. But then to make it even better, you got the cackling fan who I don't know if this guy is like Bulls fan or what kind of Chicago, maybe he's a White Sox fan. I'm trying to figure, I don't know what, what his sweatshirt is. It's a black sweatshirt. But he's the whole time, he's just laughing because the Bears guy is so mad. He just, as soon as he, at the beginning, you can hear the Bears guy scream and picked off and he just slouched in his chair and he is just sitting there, leaned back, just furious. And this guy's laughing at him the whole time, just cackling how funny it is that this bear and then then he would throw in a comment randomly. he just sat on that route. He saw that coming all day. That was a terrible throw. <laughs> I tell you what man, if I have any friends like this, these are these are the people I will never invite to watch a football game with me ever. They think it's funny when like the Packers throw a pick or or there's like I, I would lose it. So kudos to the Bears fan for semi keeping his cool even though he looks like he's gonna start punching his dog. I don't even know if he has a dog, but that's the rage that I see in his eyes. But I can't handle fans like that. But as a Packer fan, can I listen to a guy just laugh hysterically as a Bears fan slouches in his chair after their hero and savior, Justin Fields, throws a horrific throw for a pick six? Yes, I can. Anyways, here's another fun little observation, and this is kind of getting into more of the Justin Fields stuff. Um, I don't know if all of it is about Justin Fields, but um, again... It's nice to be able to do these things because Bears fans will say some things that they don't really want to say outside of their own circles. But even in the circle, it's not OK to talk about Justin Fields. But there's, you're starting to see, you know, you, you, you get a bad game by Justin Fields against the Green Bay Packers, and you might get Bears fans mad enough to finally start at least a little bit talking about Justin Fields. And there is some of that. Even if it's not hundred percent his fault or whatever it is, the realization that maybe this is just never going to happen is starting to settle in. But this only season one way didn't
2: help other. him at all. Like y'all, you do realize that development of all a uh, development of those skills come not only just playing but and having the right organization to help you develop that insight. He's not in that situation.
0: Like, talk about Justin.
2: Justin, like I keep yeah. saying he's a, rookie, no. he's a rookie. Like he's not going to, he's not in a situation to develop, period. He's gonna have these same issues next year. And we're gonna be like, okay, hopefully he's has a better organizational setup around him to help him develop. But he's going to have some of these same issues next year.
1: He really well, is and this is this is sort of a point. If if you didn't understand what he's talking about, this is sort of a point that I've also tried to get across. Bears fans constantly say, Well, it's not that Justin Fields is bad, it's that he's in a bad situation. Okay, first of all, we don't know that to be true. He might just be bad. But okay, he's in a bad situation. How does that make you sleep better at night? Do you think he's in a better situation next year? Again, it goes to that stupid notion that it's because we've identified that Nagy is the problem, and we pretend that he's the only problem, and therefore the whole team is going to get better, and Justin's going to be great. Like, what? No, Nagy's not very good. And pace is not very good. And that's another whole issue. And McCaskies are not very good. And your offensive line is good. And your wide receivers are not good. And your defensive line is falling apart. And your linebackers are not quite that good outside of maybe Roquan, because I just don't feel like having that argument. Your safeties are not good. Your corners are not good. I'm sorry, the team from top to bottom is not very good. And so yeah, he's a rookie. But it's also his situation in Chicago, and there's really no reason to believe that his situation is going to be better next year. So why do you have any faith in next year? Doesn't make sense to me. By the, by the way, that was the Windy City Breeze, another uh, new addition to the show. And this is Sports Talk Chicago, kind of with the similar sentiment.
0: I don't know if anyone remembers, but at the beginning of the year, everybody said, not just me, these were experts, people... On the team, coaches, this is about Justin Fields' development. An analyst said it didn't matter really what the record was. Did Justin Fields develop? You tell me that today. Has Justin Fields developed? That's not a knock on him. It's a knock on team around him, coaching staff. Has he developed properly? Have they done everything in their power to make sure he'd be a good quarterback? Well, leads the league in fumbles. Second worst passer rating. Knows the worst? Zach Wilson. Chance. So, What do you think? Think the Bears have done everything they could to develop him?
1: No. And again, from our perspective, who cares, right? I mean, it, the point is he's right and he gives Justin Fields a pass. That's irrelevant, though. Whether or not it's Justin Fields' fault is irrelevant. It probably wasn't Mitch Trubisky's fault either, but that doesn't change the fact that the guy was never going to succeed in there. I mean, that was the whole thing with Mitch Trubisky, and that was the biggest reason why a lot of Bears fans didn't really like the pick, is because he was a developmental guy. Well, (laughs) did they develop him? No. And I'm not saying he could ever be a great quarterback, but I am saying the best game I ever saw him play was when he was a backup playing against the Bears as a Buffalo Bill. He looked pretty good. He looked better than I ever saw Justin Fields play. It's just one game in his preseason, but the, the point is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the reason is it's correct to say the most important thing is Justin Fields' development. It's correct to say he is not getting any better. Whether that's Fields' fault or Nagy's fault or the situation's fault or any any other thing, it doesn't matter. The point is, your entire goal for this season was to see progress. The only thing that you were hoping to see was progress from from Justin Fields, and it didn't happen. Not from week one to week two, not from week two to week three, not from week three to week four, not from week four to week five. I mean, Packer fans... I got into it yesterday with a bunch of people about Jordan Love. Well, look what he did against the Chiefs. Do you think he's good? Look how bad he was against the Chiefs. Look what he did against the Chiefs. Look what he did against the Chiefs. It was one game in the middle of the season. He didn't even get any time to prepare. He had no idea he was going to be playing. And all of a sudden, hey, you're the starter. Get ready. Here we go. Like, oh, okay. And we got to try to drum up some plays for Justin and try to figure out what he does well and try to retool the offense. And oh, by the way, you're going to be under constant duress the entire game. And he didn't play very well under those conditions. There was no run game. There was no protection whatsoever. It was one game. And Packer fans have thrown in the towel. He's trash. Get him out of my face. Not from week four to week five. Not from week five to week six. Not from week six to week seven. The guy has not developed, period. And he was the starter, basically. I mean, not really from day one, but he, it was not like Jordan Love, where it's like, well, sometime at the season, he's probably going to take over. There was never any thought that Jordan Love would take over. And he knew that. And the team knew that. And everybody knew that. Justin Fields knew that he would take over, and he knew that, and everyone knew that. He is the future, and not just next year, but sometime this year, possibly as early as week two, three, four, whatever. So it's an entirely different situation in which you would expect development. You can't expect development from a guy who played one game, right? You want to see progress from his first game to his second game. He didn't have a second game. Again, that's the frustration I have with Packer fans. Bears fans can stick by their guy through this entire season of garbage. Jordan Love has come in as a backup one game. Again, he is the backup. He's the number two. He has not been groomed or prepared as the starter. This offense has not been built around Justin Fields. It was built around Aaron Rodgers, and he came in to sub, and it was a terrible game plan. No protection, no run game, no support whatsoever, and he didn't do well, and we can't support him through one game. Okay. Anyways, here's another really... Good video. Um, I really like the channel. By the way, oh, and that was. Um, let me get the name of that last channel. That guy is. Oh, I told you, Sports Talk Chicago. All right, so this is another channel, and this guy does a really good job. Um, he has 134 subscribers, and I can see why. Really high level production, and the dude. He reminds me of me watching the Packers. He is just. He is so full of energy. But I'm probably just gonna let this whole thing run out. It's it's. So he did a watch party. And um, he then did a clip of just the highlight. And so obviously he put more emphasis on the Bears doing good things, but there's still an eminent collapse coming, and I feel like we should be a part of that. There you go. There you go.
0: That there you go. Is. So the secondary did its work. He was looking, find Bruce Irvin and Robert Quinn, a duo I never thought I'd say. Okay, Bruce Irvin did not do jack. He was just in on the celebration. Go, go, Monty. Go, Monty. Get there, Robert. Get there, Quinn. Quinn is an animal. Oh, Quinn is an animal. Get it to him, Quinn. Get it to him. All right, I'm editing this right now, and looking back on it, that might have been a mistake. It was the first quarter. I might have gotten a little too excited. Please, somebody get there. Too much time. Stop. That's a pick. What?
2: Oh my god.
0: Oh my god. Oh. Get there, get there, Ogletree, get there. Too much time. Oh, what a play by Eddie. Come on, Justin. Come on, baby. Oh. Nice throw. Go, baby. Go, Bird. Run. Run. Run, Bird. Get in there. Get to the end zone. Let's. Oh, oh my god, Robert Quinn got there. Way too much time for Aaron Rodgers. He's wide open. Way too much time. Oh. oh my god, Grant's got a scene. Go, Grant. Oh my god, this guy's a f***ing animal. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Holy s***. <laughs> 97 yards in the house. Rogers thinking deep. Oh no, Robert. Rogers is looking wide. Oh my god, Crawford's on f***ing Devontae Adams, oh my god, oh my god, that's murder. That's like putting me out there right now. Fields got time, Fields watch out, oh no, that's a fumble, oh damn it. Don't be a, is he, is he punting? You f***ing Ball. Oh, 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 my God. oh, oh, my God. No. Wait, 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 what just happened? Are they bringing it back? Stop. On his own, on the punt. Number 22 the kicking
1: team. That was it. That was the one chance. That was the one chance. And that's, and that's where he cuts it off, but... Um, it's it's obviously a lot more enjoyable to watch. He's got the clips up and everything else, but it's let's talk sports. Um, it's I mean it's it's fun to relive it and it's it's even a little bit fun to watch him as much as it makes me sick, you know, cheering from the other perspective some of these bear. I mean, you can just see the the, the pure joy and there's kind of that tie there. Because even though I had the exact opposite reactions at the exact opposite times. It's still like, dude, I, I get that. Like when he was jumping up and down and screaming about that punt return, it was one of those things where you're so excited and like the chills are so intense, it looks like he's crying. And he kind of was a little bit. Like you can hear it in his voice kind of choking up and his eyes are getting watered up. It's not like crying, crying, but it's like I'm, this is such an intense feeling. Like it just, it's, it's a similar thing to crying. I'm not crying. All right. It's different. Shut up. But it also just goes to show how painful that loss was. No matter what any Bears fan wants to say. You get those high highs. I mean, it's, it's one thing to lose to the Bears. And that's that's what's even more painful about this for Bears fans. They came into this game saying, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. This is It's not even worth it. We're not going to get our hopes up. We're not going to win. And then the Bears come out and tease them and are like, dude, get your hopes up. Hey, hey, dude, get your hopes up. We got this. They're coming out flat. We're coming out hot. We got this. We're going to win. And every time the Packers would do something, the Bears would come out and do something bigger. They drive down the field. They get some points. They get the punt return. Just keep the hopes up, and then after halftime, it's like, nah, never mind. Remember that game that you thought you were going to see, where we don't do anything and the Packers just dominate our faces, twenty-four nothing. That's um, that's what we're going to do right now. Anyways, I, I I have another clip here, and I, I probably should have kept all the Justin Fields things together, but this is another clip, and it's it's really just me being nitpicky for the sake of being nitpicky. But I'm going to bring it up anyways. I'm going to play this clip and then kind of dispute a narrative about Justin Field. Because again, they're trying to give the guy an out. And to some degree, I get it. If it's not his fault, it's the team, all that. But there's certain excuses that it's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you have that one. And this is one of them.
2: I see a lot of people in the chat room are really down on Justin Fields. And and yeah, he made some terrible mistakes. But that's to be expected out of a rookie quarterback who did not have substantial snaps with the first teamers in the preseason. And so he was not he was not geared for to play football this season. And and that's on the coaching staff.
1: So first observation is right off the bat, he comments on the and on the, the chat and how everybody's really down on Justin Fields. So again, like I said, people are starting to change their tune. And I I think what happens is you get some people that really early on, you get similar treatment to like Jordan Love. Like you you think he's going to be great, and then week one he comes out or whatever week he started, and it wasn't great. And they're immediately like, this guy's going to be trash, I know. But they're kind of keeping their mouth shut because it's not a popular sentiment. And at some point, the dam breaks, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to say it. And other people are like, you know what, maybe these people are right. The tide is turning is the point. But beyond that, I want to address his point because it's kind of nonsense. I'm, I'm sorry, you're not getting that one. I'm not giving you it's expected because he's a rookie. First of all, no. And I've got numbers to back that up. But beyond that, the idea that, well, he wasn't geared to be the starter. Uh, again, fine in his first outing. But you're telling me that in his eighth game, he can't play well because he didn't play in the preseason? I'm sorry, was his seventh game not Practice was he not being geared toward being a starter? How about his sixth game or his fifth game or his fourth game or his third game or his second game or his first game? You're telling me because he didn't get a couple practice reps for an hour in like a t-shirt and shorts that he can't be expected to perform the entire year? There's something that happens that's so profound when you're wearing shorts that it carries the entire year. And if you don't have that one hour in shorts with your with your starters that you can't succeed, that's stupid. Come on now, that's an excuse for why he doesn't play well early. But again, you're still expecting progress. He has now been the starter in season for this team for a very long time, and the progress is not there. Beyond that, I took it upon myself to look at all of the sort of top quarterbacks that are young enough that I can see their rookie years on PFF um, and also started their rookie years. So Pat Mahomes would not be in this, although his first year was dominant, but he didn't start his first year. Tom Brady's too old. Aaron Rodgers, too old and um, didn't start his first year. But as a rookie right now, again, Justin Fields, 61 overall grade, six touchdowns, 10 interceptions, on and on and on, right? Kyler Murray as a rookie, he had a 64 overall grade, which is not that much better. However, 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He also had a 5.3 big-time throw percentage and a 2.6 turnover-worthy play percentage. So the big-time throw percentage is similar, but uh, Justin Fields is at 4% compared to 2.6%. So in every metric, Kyler Murray was better than Justin Fields. How about Joe Burrow? 75 overall grade. You want to talk about a bad situation? That's the other thing. The Cardinals in Kyler Murray's first year were not good at all. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, are you freaking kidding me? You want to talk about a trash franchise, he had a 75 overall grade, 2,688 yards, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and that was, you know, because he he didn't even finish the season because of his busted up knee, playing behind a pathetic offensive line. With no real dominant wide receivers, There's, there's nothing there. He went from a 75, right now he's got a 90 overall grade, he's absolutely dominating. But that's somewhat to be expected because he had a good rookie year. How about Dak Prescott? He had an 83.7 overall grade as a fourth-round pick in his rookie year, almost 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. He's never had a year as bad as Justin Fields ever, and the Dallas Cowboys have had some really bad teams. I don't exactly remember the 2016 season, their, their exact situation, offensive line, wide receivers, whatever, but they have not had a good team in a pretty long time. How about Justin Herbert, 79.9, basically an 80 overall grade as a rookie. It's not to be expected. It's an 80 overall grade. He had 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And by the way, Chargers, not a good football team. Way worse offensive line, by the way. Way worse offensive line than the Bears have. And I know they have one good wide receiver. Outside of that, though, not much. Derek Carr, as a rookie, had a really bad grade. But he had 3,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I think the biggest thing is his turnover-worthy plays were really high. 3.9% and only 2.1% big-time throws. So he was playing it really, really safe. But it kind of panned out, and I think Justin Fields probably wishes he was playing a little bit more safe. Because again, 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, compared to 6 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, You got Russell Wilson, 90.6 as a rookie. 3,700 yards, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And Baker Mayfield playing for the Browns. The Browns as a rookie. 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Just very recently coming off an 0-16 season. When was their 0-16 season? Yeah, it was literally the next year. 2017 was their 0-16 season, and they used their first pick to pick Baker Mayfield. So he's, he's, he's joining the 0 and 16 cleveland or yeah 0 and 16 cleveland browns and in his first game had a 75 overall grade with a team that had not won a single game the entire last year and he ended up with an 83 overall grade 3700 yards 27 touchdowns 14 interceptions the only guy that should give you any hope whatsoever the only guy that's similar very similar in fact to justin fields is josh allen i mean extremely similar um both very big guys, not quite as big as Josh Allen, but Josh Allen is a big guy. Um, he is a better runner than he is a passer, which is the case with Justin Fields. Justin Fields has a 56 passing grade and a 76 rushing grade. Josh Allen, 58 passing grade, 81 rushing grade. He had 2,074 yards passing. So far, Justin Fields has 1,585 yards. And Justin Fee- or Josh Allen had 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Justin right now, 6 and 10. So you could easily see if he gets four more touchdowns and two more picks, it's exactly the same. And he only needs uh, about 500 more passing yards. And it's like the exact same guy. The overall grade is 65. Justin's overall grade is 61. So Justin Fields is worse right now than Josh Allen was as a rookie. But at least there's an example of a guy. And and it took him till year three. Buffalo, he had a 65 overall grade. Year two, the stats improved massively. Still a 64 overall grade. Um, But... 3,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. I'm sure the Bears would happily take that. And then 2020 was his 90 overall grade. So there's at least a glimmer of hope here. But there's also a GM that everybody loves. And there is a head coach that everybody loves. That's going to be your biggest thing. You have to go out and find your Brandon Bean. You have to find your Sean McDermott. And then, probably, because he didn't really turn the corner until this happened, you have to go out and make a move for your Stephon Diggs. And even then, the, the Bills' success has been moderate, right? I mean, they've had a dominant defense. They, their quarterback got back online. They got a, a dominant number one guy, and they just can't still seem to figure it out. So the point is, you got such a long road. The odds of, of Justin Fields being successful are very, very low. Again, of, of all the top quarterbacks I can find, all of them, with the exception of Josh Allen, had good rookie years. I guess you could kind of add Lamar to that conversation, but his rookie year he didn't play until about halfway through the season um, and also he's really playing bad right now so it's kind of it's kind of iffy on whether I even want to include that he had a great second year so you know bad first half a year then he had a 90 overall grade 1 MVP then he went down to a 79 and now he's down to a 70 so 90 80 70 and he's just playing horrible football right now. But um, it's more likely that he's just not a good quarterback. Here's some other quarterbacks that have had bad rookie years. Trevor Simeon, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold. Right? Sam Darnold is a great comp. Six 6'3", 225, 64 overall grade, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, so about 50-50. 2,865 yards, similar in terms of yards. I mean, he could be Josh Allen. He could also be Sam Darnold. That's kind of my point. I mean, Jameis Winston was was better. 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 67 overall grade. That stings. There's another big guy, 6'4", 231. Real, pro- I mean, number one overall selection in the draft. Tons of praise, tons of excitement, and just not very good. Some other guys with bad rookie years, Andy Dalton. Maybe you've heard of him. 3,600 yards, 20, inter- 20 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 62 overall grade. He's also 6'2", 220, so similar build. Daniel Jones had a similar grade, but his rookie year was 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So you're significantly worse than Daniel Jones right now. And I kind of like Daniel Jones, and he did get better over the years, but, you know, I mean, if that's what you're shooting for, maybe he's like Daniel Jones, except he had a much better rookie season. Um, Carson Wentz, 69 overall grade, 3,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Again, better. Blaine Gabbert, 2,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Now, that's a 31 overall grade. That's pretty brutal, but statistically, they're similar. And Tua, 65 overall grade. He's got 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, Last year, that's what he had anyways. So um, again, statistically better, but 65 overall grade is similar. So the point is, if you compare good players to bad players, bad players pretty much always had bad rookie years. I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater was the only one I saw that had a good rookie year and did not pan out. Likewise, guys who have bad rookie years, I found one that did pan out. So really bad rookie years have a really high correlation rate with bad careers. Oh, and I should probably go find Mitch Trubisky. He wasn't on the list because he hasn't played, but that's another example. Because obviously on this list are guys that are not even playing right now because they were so bad. But I think you get the point. So again, I'm not giving you that cop-out. If you want to say, maybe he'll become good, hopefully we can get him in a better situation, and then we'll get a better view of what he actually can do, but this is not good enough, I got that, 100%. But you got you to gotta acknowledge this is a bad sign if the hope was that he's going to be your savior. A really bad rookie year is a bad sign that you have a bright future with Justin Fields. It's not a good sign, it's a bad sign. It's not proof positive, but it's a bad sign, it's a bad start. Anyways, there is no Tape Never Lies. Um, I just, I didn't grab anything. There's always going to be some stuff if you want to listen to another rant. I'm positive that they had one. I just, I was going through and tried to find some, some deep cuts and some guys we don't play quite as much. And so that's what I featured this week. Um, again, you definitely need a full episode if we're going to do um, Laughing at the Enemy for anybody else. I don't know if we're going to do the other teams. Um, maybe reach out if you're desperate about wanting to hear more. Otherwise, maybe we'll turn our attention to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, We'll see. I'm not sure. If you have a vote on that, let me know. And since only probably one or two people will reach out, you're going to have a lot of influence. (laughs) So, Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic, what is today? Wednesday? Have a great Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.